there may seem to be a dramatic contrast between the first reading, second reading, and responsorial psalm on the one hand, and the gospel on the other. Isaiah speaks of the peaceful kingdom to come, in which one inspired by the Spirit of the Lord would come and bring peace to the world, would judge with justice, not by hearsay or mere appearance, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, and the, and the young lion will dwell with him, the young child will dwell with him. Likewise, the psalmist speaks of the fact that justice and peace shall flourish in his time, and St. Paul calls the Romans to think in harmony with one another, building up God's kingdom of peace on this earth. But then, of course, John the Baptist comes to the desert with a very strong and conflicting message, basically telling people to flee the wrath that is to come, that they must produce fruits of repentance and turn away from sins, that the judgment of God is at hand, and those who will not repent will be cast into fire. How is this message of peace on the one hand and the sharp call to judgment on the other? How are they consistent with each other? Well, there are, among other things, three ways in which the, the two messages come together. First, within ourselves, second, within society, and third, the notion of a fighting spirit to confront sins that would have peace in God's eternal kingdom. First of all, of course, within ourselves, it is noteworthy that Aristotle of old spoke about the fact that there are two very different types of peace a person can be at within himself. A good peace and a bad one. A good peace of one who is virtuous and finds doing good, being honest, kind, compassionate, hardworking, and so forth, to come naturally. But a very false type of peace that can be within the self, oneself, in which one is being dishonest, lazy, grumpy, and so forth, and is perfectly at fine with that has no problem with it. That, of course, is a very false piece because it means the domination of sins in our lives. And, as he recognized, in someone in a state where they're perfectly comfortable with sins, well, one must shake that up. One must bring about a conflict precisely to restore a true piece of virtue in the souls. Now, one difference, though, is that Aristotle and the great Greek philosophers thought that by mere learning and effort one could come to that status. But of course, in Christianity we realize we do not come to that status of a true peace within ourselves except by the grace of God. That the thundering word of God comes to us through divine revelation with the prophets of old and likewise with the call of the Gospels. And when we really try to arrive at that message, when we really try to live it out, we realize we cannot do so. We realize that there is a conflict coming from original sin, and even though that's forgiven in baptism, the fundamental conflict in the human souls where sin can have dominance in our lives. But then, recognizing that, we realize the need for the grace of Christ in our hearts that brings forth a true peace that allows us to conquer sins in our lives and thus arrive at a harmony under the, under the calling of the Almighty God, who offered a son for us, rather than the domination of sins. We reject a false peace that would be comfortable with sin in the world, comfortable with being merely content with ourselves. Instead, we accept the challenging peace of God that calls us to be under the calling of virtue and the calling of grace, and therefore the calling of heroism, truly to live out 
this life of grace in the world. Of course, that will also shake up the world. And the world, like ourselves entirely, can be in a true peace or a false peace. A true peace, of course, is, as the prophets call to, a peace under the judgment of God, a peace in the spirit of the Lord, a peace that truly brings forth harmony among mankind, truly brings forth the righteousness and dignity of each person. That is a true peace. A false peace would basically be to say that everything is fine with the world, we don't want to shake things up, that we are merely going to get along with the powers of the world as they are, even if they are corrupt. That was a situation with King Herod in Judea when he had taken Herodias, his brother's wife, as his own wife, and the leaders in Jerusalem, well, knew it was wrong, but didn't want to upset the apple carts. And likewise, of course, in Imperial Rome, in which there was much decadence, but they had allowed prosperity and for the most part peace, and therefore many people were willing to have paganism and decadence because, well, that was the cost of their prosperity. Christians said, no, we will shake up this false prosperity, this false peace, and bring forth the kingdom of God. Of course, the Roman Empire persecuted Christians because they were challenging the ruling powers. But in the end, that was the only way in which a true peace would come about, and it is through Christianity that indeed the current nations of Europe were founded that would bring the message of God's kingdom to all the world. But likewise, in the modern world, there can be a false peace that is content with a culture of death and decadence, is content with worldliness, that is content with people not even knowing their neighbors, but being merely under the domination of desires and even increasingly of technology. That is a false peace, a peace that cannot last because people's conflicting desires will lead them into conflict with each other and never be content with, with things always seeking more power and wealth. And so in the midst of this society, Christians, and especially the church, wants for there to be a true peace of God, but one based upon the rights and dignities of each person. As the Vatican II Council says in Gaudium et Spes, peace is not merely the absence of conflict or violence. Peace is a true harmony amongst peoples. Peace is a true justice established upon this earth. Once again, we recognize that external powers can do what they what they wish. External powers can, if they choose, contribute to this true peace and harmony. We cannot do it on our own. We rely upon the grace of the Almighty God to bring the gospel to all nations. And when all nations are willing to accept that grace and truth of God, then indeed will be a peace reigning upon this earth. We know, of course, due to human free will, that will never fully happen. People will choose evils. But we always seek for this better kingdom not merely in contentment or for the sake of having more wealth or power, but rather for the sake of peoples truly assisting each other on this pilgrimage to everlasting life. And while we cannot establish that of our own in all the world, we can, in our neighborhoods, in our parishes, in our communities, live out and witness to the justice and peace of God's kingdom. Of course, one might reasonably ask, well, if there is this peace this harmony amongst peoples, is the rightful honor we give to those who fight for the country, for their countries, who fight for their faith, who suffer and struggle, is that courage, that heroism, no longer needed? As Christian, we would say no. It is very much needed. 
For there is always on this earth the need for courage to combat sins in our lives. The rightful honor we give to those who offer their lives, who suffer, struggle, and sometimes die for the freedom of their countries and, of course, for the freedom and the liberty and the faith of the church. That rightful honor, even when there is peace upon this earth, that rightful honor can be given to all peoples because there is meant to be continuously on this earth a struggle, a fighting spirit against the domination of sins. And that is why the teaching that there are in fact, there is in fact a devil, there are in fact demons, is indeed a positive teaching because even when we are at peace with others, there is a call to be, have a fighting spirit, to be at conflict with those who are trying to bring us domination of sins. And we are constantly meant to defend the temples, the cities of our souls and of our families against this domination. Only a few, of course, are called to be in the military. Only a few are called to be martyrs for the faith. But all are called to be soldiers of the faith, a call especially given in confirmation. All are called to fight and struggle for, their own, for our own holiness. All are called to fight and struggle against sin. All are called to show great courage to build up in our own lives and in societies a kingdom of light and justice. And, and when there comes a time in which nations no longer use their fighting spirit to be in conflict with each other, when it comes a time in which the gospel brings all nations to seek those things that increase by the sharing, those things of truth and grace and generosity, when therefore the courage, the fighting spirit, is now directed against sins and directed positively to build up a life of faith in our own lives and in the world around us, then indeed, truly justice and mercy will join together. Then indeed, courage and peace will be co combined together. Then indeed, there will be a kingdom of light and grace reigning upon this earth and bringing all nations throughout the peoples become worthy of being nothing less than prince and prince of the kingdom of lights of grace, of the truth of God forever.